Okay, hello and welcome everyone to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series. I am your host, Patrick Egan. Let's say hello, as we always do, to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hey, Gene. Hello out there, and hello, Patrick. How are you today, sir? <clears throat> Good. You know, a little rushed. I uh, I lost track of time there um, with one minute and 40 seconds on the clock as I was doing the, uh, doing the show prep right up to the show. A couple of things going on these days. Wow. Yeah, talk about a couple of things going on. I think we're going to see uh, a lot of things start popping in the U.S. That's for sure. I believe so, and uh, that's kind of, um, let's say, the topic for today's podcast, which I have aptly ter- or called, put the name of Spectacle on it, as there is just so much stuff going on, um, let's say current events and news that uh, it's hard to keep track of it all. And uh, some of those stories were actually we um, we scooped and broke on the SUS news. Some of them are are from other uh, outlets all around the world. And I guess lately the last last big one was did you see there was I guess an unidentified drone in I guess it's in the Sydney Harbor. They found one. Did you see that? No, Sydney Harbor. That's in uh, Australia, correct? Yeah, actually, I think it was right down, right near the base of the the bridge. And I'm, oh, yeah, Sydney Harbor Bridge. And I guess uh, it's just laying there. I haven't read the whole story, but I guess uh, Prince, one of the princes, is going to go there for the Australian Navy celebration. Yada yada. I don't know. Anyway, another another down in the uh, in the news. So it seems that we're getting a whole rash of those, and some of those we're going to talk about. And I guess we could talk about. Um, uh, we did get some information on a, on a few, uh, let's say, unscheduled landings in the news, and uh, maybe one of them since we were on that of kind of the drone in the in the wilderness there. Uh, was the I, I, we did get an update on the Bull Run incident, and uh, it would appear you know there would what, people were kind of curious as to why that um, let's say multi rotor fell out of the sky and a little history behind all of that and what exactly was going on and things have been kind of quiet and uh, whatnot, but it, it, it appears that uh, from what I have heard an account of of what happened there. Um, they did, in fact, rent the multi-rotor from the owner, um, and the guys that did rent it didn't were not, uh, let's say, drone pilots, if you want to call them that, or even RC pilots or anything. So they enlisted the services of a local dude from the hobby shop, and uh, the reason it, it fell out of the sky is it was not mechanical failure. It would appear that they used an egg timer to um, basically, you know, count down the juice and the battery. And the PIC, uh, again, apparently did not hear the buzzer go off or the bell and ran the batteries dry and it fell out of the sky. Unfortunate. You know, Patrick, this is the the very thing that we've been talking about since, what, 2007. And, you know, we've always advocated that, you needed to have some modicum of training before you went out there and did this stuff. It doesn't doesn't matter whether you're flying a multi-rotor or a fixed wing or the Cracker Barrel 
or any other small plane, you really need to know something. You need to learn something before you go out there and you inflict that aircraft on everybody out there in the world. I would, yes, and I'm I'm in uh, definite agreement with that. (laughs) I think it's funny that, okay, so, I mean, you know, it fell on somebody, so I guess there was no damage. So to add insult to uh, minor injury, they put another battery in it and flew it again. And I think that 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 it almost kind of you know wraps in a in a nice tight package that I mean again I kind of put this at the FAA's feet and I'm going to put every mishap at the FAA's feet like it or not because this is exactly going back to what you said we've been talking about the training and and kind of getting the knowledge out there and uh, you know I'd say having a better educated public. Somebody has failed miserably at that because you have a situation like this where someone's flying out there. Now, the other thing with this is I hear that um, the FAA is a little confused on what to do in this situation. They don't, you no. know, who, yeah, who do they, who do they slap with a fine? Who, who's really uh, at fault here? Is it the PIC that was some guy from the hobby shop? Is it the guys that rented the equipment? Is it the guys that, you know, um, the rentor of the equipment? Who Who's really at fault here? I mean, I know who I think is really at fault, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to let that one fly, and everybody can make up their own mind. But uh, well, I, I, I don't it, I don't mind saying. All right, I go mean, for as, it. as as a trained pilot. And, and a certified pilot, it is the ultimate responsibility of the PIC, the pilot in command, to make sure that his aircraft is in pliable condition. I mean, I'm sorry, that's that's pretty clear. All right, well, let me it doesn't just make ask any you. difference whether you rent it or or buy it or whatever. It's the ultimate responsibility falls on the pick. Now, is it also the responsibility of the pick to hear the egg timer? <laughs> well. Okay, you need to, as a matter of fact, you do have to have a, a hearing test for your third-class medical to do, kind of see if you can hear things from a distance. But, yeah, that's all part of it. I mean, you, know, you should be able to hear alarms and indicators and, and uh, know enough about your ear. I know you're only laughing, Patrick, but this fact, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was you the need to be able to operate the aircraft. Well, but I mean, I'm going to have to go. The egg timer may not have been certified, so I, I can't tell you that about that. That was my next question. <laughs> I knew you were going there. Is this an FAA certified egg timer? Uh, it may not be the PIC's fault. <clears throat> Gene, that could have been hey, you know, a false uh, egg uh, timer. You've been hanging around with lawyers way too much, Egan. I can tell you that. Uh, I know, it's pretty comical. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying, you know, we can't brush to any judgments until all the facts are in. But, you know, there's not, uh, a lot of people over at the FA are not in the office because of the shutdown. <laughs> I would say that a lot of them have been deemed unessential. I know, that's hard to believe, but I'm still waiting for a call back on the next topic, which is the... uh the Scan Eagle down and the FAA's giant leap falls short. Now, 
We broke that story over at the SUAS News, and uh, I've been hearing a lot of feedback on both sides of the issue on that issue. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, you're you're kind of making light of a, a mishap, you know, uh, and uh, you're also, you know, how is it the FAA's fault? Well, I don't exactly blame the FAA for the Scan Eagle going in on the second test flight. I don't, I'm not really blaming them. I mean, things happen. But I do think to come out and say, oh, this is a giant leap. We're we're moving forward. We've we've given a uh, you know a limited certification for commercial use up there on the shelf. Which, if you've listened to the program uh, or read any of the stories and, and uh, editorials and whatnot that I've written at SUS News, you know this has been going on since uh, I was on the Ark. Although they were working for Shell, I was calling it the uh, the Arctic Shell game because uh, they were up there supposedly counting seals. Um, and whatever else, and they had to legitimize this thing. So it took them a few years to legitimize it. I also, uh, when it was on the ARC, I said that, I, or I predicted that this was going to happen, that a couple of the, the DOD vendors in the room would basically use either a program of record or a program that's been paid for by the taxpayer, and a program, I mean, training program, manuals, um, maintenance manuals, all, all of the things you would need for a program uh, that were paid by the taxpayer through the government. And basically, they would take those programs, bring them to the FAA, FAA would rubber stamp them and let them fly. My main point of contention was that this uh, constituted an unfair economic advantage because these contracts and part of these contracts they got paid to do this stuff and i thought that that was an uh, that didn't constitute what i would call a scare, square game for the little guy oh yeah face no we couldn't we couldn't do that we couldn't do that for several reasons one you're right it's it would be an unfair economic advantage uh, or disadvantage to the small guy too you know we can't use data from overseas in combat operations so we really couldn't use it to justify uh, rubber stamping the program. So that's never going to happen. All right, great. Fast forward 2013, what happens? Well, Patrick, that was then, this is now. <laughs> you think so? Well, yeah, and, you know, the musical chairs thing, maybe the people that were there aren't there anymore or aren't in charge of those sections. I mean, you know, that's another thing we've been talking about over the years is, it seems like just as as soon as you start to have someone that you can work with and and talk to, and even that's very fluid, um, they get pushed off into a corner somewhere or leave or go on to some private sector job, and we start with a new new crew or a new crop. That's certainly the case. It is the case. So I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm again not gloating. I just think it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you know we we did the rubber stamp. I mean, what was the criteria for the certification? How come we can't have you know uh, under 4.4 foam plastic and and wood or let's say frangible aircraft flying around uh, not overpopulated areas in the NAS? Um, you know, by the same criteria, I, I, you know, I guess that'll take more, 
more investigation and, and more asking of questions, although I'm I'm already I'm kind of on ignore over there at the FAA, even before the shutdown. And I have a feeling that that might be an intense uh, or uh, as could say harbinger of the uh, civilian drone movie. Because <laughs> people are already yes, talking. Indeed. Yeah, yes, people indeed. are always talking. I, I guess that may be a good thing that uh, we're in the condition that we're in because uh, maybe the movie will get a little bit longer run. I'm thinking so. And while we're on that, they're going to screen that uh, this Sunday, the 6th, at UAV Day in San Diego. And uh, if you're in the area, I would suggest that you uh, you get over there and uh, check that out. It's going to be at the, what is this, the Reuben, Reuben H. Fleet. H. Fleet. Yeah, Science Center. And... Uh, Let's see, that's Sunday, October 6th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you, there's, there's, they got a pretty good lineup of people uh, that are going to be there. And, but uh, they are going to uh, screen the civilian drone search and rescue documentary. And so you might, you might want to be there and see that. I know there are actually a lot of people that are, are waiting uh, for that to be screened so they can see it. And we've been holding back, but I have a whole list of people who are very interested in uh, seeing that movie once it's made public. Uh, what what food ba- feedback have you been getting, Gene? Well, certainly that's the same on my end. Uh, I will have to admit that uh, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the release of the little trepidation since I happen to have a little bit of a speaking part in that movie. But, uh, yeah, you know what, what is really surprising is the public in general has no clue that the FAA has shut everyone down or has attempted to shut everyone down. Just one minute. They go, wait a minute. That's, no, they're going to all the time. How come, wait, how come you're not? What do you mean it's illegal? So I find that very kind of a thing in and of its own. general public that doesn't even know that uh, it's illegal. Oh, well, I mean, that kind of, you know, the old bull run and some of the other uh, incidents that we're seeing. I will say I I have seen, you know, the whole movie. <clears throat> I got to, you know, I got to see that. And I will say that it, 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 it you get kind of emotional watching it. And I mean, I, I know the story. I've, I mean, you know the story. You've lived the story. It, it, it did evoke emotion out of you when you, when you saw the, uh, when you saw the the advanced copy, well, you know it, it's one of those things where, Patrick, it, when you go on the number of searches that I've been on, and you've retrieved the number of people that we've retrieved, that emotion is 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 very strong, and, and it's something that you have to deal with while you're there. And when when I see it in the movie, it's just a confirmation of my determination to continue doing what I'm doing because I know that this is something that'll help. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's a, it's a validation. Uh, I, it's just something like, when you see it in print, you know, if it, if it came off the internet, it must be true. And if you see it in a movie, you know, it's, it's even more so. Well, I definitely believe that, uh, you know, that obviously the, the movie, uh, let's say vehicle or format 
is, uh, you know, adds more dimension. So, you know, when people see it, I think you're going to have some people going, man, you know, this is, uh, again, this is a family show, so I can't say what I really want to (laughs) say. We don't work blue here. You know, although I have been thinking about emulating Howard Stern's early days from Channel 9 in New Jersey to up the ratings of now, I'm just teasing. Um, I do think when people see the movie, uh, you're, people are going to be, there's going to be some people that are, that are outraged. And there's going to be some people that are like, hey, wait a minute, you know, um, why can't we do this? And I think Maha did a great job. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I mean, I really can't wait, I, even though I'm not going to see it be screened in public on the 6th, I can't wait until it's made public and start uh, hearing what people have to say about it, and, and interpretations and, and uh, takeaway and whatnot. I think it's going to be great. I look forward to that. And I think, uh, you know, I had some, I'm also in the movie, and I had some stuff to say, and, and people think it's pretty heavy. But you know what? I thought about this yesterday. Even, you know, with the DOD vendors and, and the FAA and all the rest of that, you know what, I, I, and, and maybe you could give us some, uh, your take on this too, but I, I went back, I went, I, I kind of rolled the memory banks back, got in the Wayback Machine and went back to 2004 and five. And you know what, Gene, you know what occurred to me is, what's here's what's occurred to me. The FAA, the DOD vendors... The supposed, um, you know, advocates and industry groups and, and, and there's a few of them and the standards groups and all the rest of that have done absolutely nothing. And I mean zilch, zip, zero, but uh, destroy the small business uh, part of this industry. A- am I wrong? Well, they, they certainly have, haven't contributed to anything that would be considered much more than a self-serving position in the industry, that's for sure. But, uh, I mean, getting back to the movie, one of the things, and, you know, I I saw what you put in there, and, and of course, you know, I know what I did. And this isn't Hollywood. There's no embellishment that went on. I mean, it is just the facts, just the facts, ma'am. And we can't help but the the facts are a bit damning. I'm sorry, that's just the way it works. Uh, you know, so I, I really don't have any problem with, with what we said, but the way it's put together, it surprised me the strength that it had at the end of the day. And, of course, you know, you were there at the, the, at the expo, and they showed the trailer, just the trailer. And that evoked <laughs> quite a bit of emotion from a very partisan crowd, I would have to admit. But... Uh, it was it was pretty strong. It was strong. So I mean, you know, what I'm getting to is is when when people see it and they go, "Wow, that's pretty heavy duty." You know what? The, the whole thing is heavy duty, and and I think that it's time that we quit acting like the emperor's new clothes. And this is how I think about it. Um, I'm not sitting back anymore, and I'm gonna worry about what I say. I mean, I, I try and and temper what I say, and sometimes I mean I don't want it to hurt people or hurt their business or whatever, but. As far as the FAA is concerned, I know people are like, oh, it's harsh, and, you know, they're really trying. I don't, I'm not buying any of that. I, I am not, I, I have not seen, I have not seen anything that shows me that they're really working on it. I mean, the whole deal is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a square game. I've been writing another article called The Airspace Integration Banana Republic, 
And it, and it pretty much surmises where we're at. And we have gotten nothing from the FAA. We've tried to interface with them. We've tried to work in the standards groups. The standards groups are uh, questionable at best. Uh, there's there's more stuff in there afoot now where the the little guy is going to get locked out again. It's it, it's just, and we're supposed to go on and not say anything. So I'm not really I don't really care. And especially in this in this case with this the search and rescue thing. You have a, an opportunity, and I think people are going to learn a lot. I know that I even learned a lot watching that. And uh, the gentleman from, uh, I mean, I don't want to give be a spoiler, but the, the gentleman from um, uh, Texas EquiSearch, what's his name again? Tim Miller. He he, he puts a bow on a, on a couple of, uh, let's say, applications for unmanned aircraft systems. And I think that, uh, you know, he, he kind of blew me away in some of the stuff that he said and how they decided you know, to use you and, and whatnot. For, you know, he is a self-professed hillbilly on a horse. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he has developed a, a very acute sense of what would help and what works in a search. And uh, his insight is is uh, very helpful, and it has been very helpful in the past. So I'm I'm not surprised that you you see that because I've seen it before in the past as well. It's pretty powerful, and he's you know he's a he, you could definitely tell he's a he's a straight shooter. Also, uh, Mr. DeFore is in the in the in the movie, another straight shooter. Uh, you know. It's it's going to be good. I can't wait to hear what people have to say about that. So, well, we'll uh, I'm I'm uh, actively awaiting that. Some of the other stuff that we have, um, we have uh, Trappy's counsel files for a motion to dismiss their fine. I don't know if you read that story, but uh, we actually uh, got that copy of that motion from. Um, from Trappy's counsel. And yeah, I actually read that entire motion. Yes, I, I perused it. I went over that, and it would appear that uh, they're going after the broad brush. And um, I don't know. You know, on one hand, I would think that the FAA is going to be uh, very well prepared because if they don't make this one stick, I think there's going to be uh, – there's going to be some heavy-duty ramifications. Your thoughts, Gene? Agreed, and I'm kind of hoping that it may get things kicked off the top dead center. You know, we've pushed for the lightly regulated. We've pushed for some sort of minimal standard. And we all agree that it's something that's going to be required. The the foot dragon that's gone on for since 2005, 2006, well, especially since 2007, has got to stop, and we really do need to get off a of top dead center to get a standard out there. Either we get zero to 400 and, you know, let's let it go and see what happens, get people from, you know, at least get the word out to keep them from flying away from airports, much like AC-9157. Let's do that. And and maybe this motion, maybe this, this whole trial thing will get to the point where the FAA says, okay, DOT, NTSB, We've got to do something. Let's get something out there. Now, well, granted, I don't, I don't want it to be like the, the Texas bill that came out that just was so vague and nebulous that everybody can, you know, look at it in whatever way they feel is, is 
best at the moment, but I still think that, that it could be used as an impetus to get something going for common sense regulation. Well, and I think if we had common sense regulation, you wouldn't have things like this. Now, I know, I mean, this case is kind of polarizing within the community. There are a lot of it people is. that, you know, that don't agree with uh, Raphael's, let's say, style and also, you know, his yeah, and then there's other people that are like, well, you know, this isn't this is an RC aircraft, and uh, you know we have the tyrannical government coming in, and I mean it's it's definitely polarizing. <clears throat> now, I will say though that they're in this uh, in in the motion, there are some interesting points, and one of them, and I think there's going to be a little disparity between the regular FAA and the unmanned aircraft systems integration office and what exactly is navigable airspace. And some points are made, you know, is navigable airspace like the UASIO contends a half inch off of the ground. I mean, when you, when you go through flight school, do they tell you that that's navigable airspace? I mean, I, you know, someone was flying a 172 down my street here, you know, is is that navigable airspace? What is navigable? I think that definition is is going to need some tweaking. Thoughts? You know, I, I'll have to. I, I can see both sides of it, but I, I think another one of the incidents incidents that occurred was there in Manhattan mm-hmm. uh, with that mm-hmm. uh, that small quadcopter. I mean, this segues right into it. You know, flying in between buildings and stuff like that is. Most definitely not navigable airspace. Even a helicopter would have a difficult time maneuvering through the concrete canyons of Manhattan. So, you know, common sense tells me, no, that's not navigable airspace. But there was a statement made by a gentleman there that, that almost got next to him was that someone made a conscious decision to do something for their own enjoyment that could endanger me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? That was a very profound statement because how long do we let these these liberties go, you know, your, your own mutual enjoyment go t- until it hurts someone? So, I, you know, it, God, it's such a sticky, complicated kind of a situation, but, you know, I... Where do, where do you get drawn into it? I mean, the navigable airspace is a, is a, uh, an end to a means, I guess. Mm-hmm. But still, that flying a, a quadcopter around Manhattan in that area, I mean, the guy obviously didn't know what he was doing. He dorked it into a building twice before it even hit hard enough to finally crash. Well, so, for somebody who's, where, do you, who's, where do you start? Has flown between buildings and whatnot. You know, uh, I think you know, just like there's fire weather and everything else, there there is, you know, weather between buildings. Um, oh, absolutely. I, there's no doubt. I address that in my book. I mean, there's wind eddies. There's all sorts of different swirly effects you can get into in the wind. Exactly. So, uh, you know, there are issues there. The other thing is, is, I mean, you know, I did uh, urban stuff with the Cracker Barrel, but, you know, if you show up on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock downtown, there's usually not too many people around. 
So I don't think that, you know, there's a common sense thing also there uh, that comes into play. And the other thing I'm going to put on that, too, is, uh, you know, if you're going to do this stuff, I mean, you know, the insurance, I mean, and also product liability. I don't think uh, I I really don't think this this whole uh, aspect is an open chasm. Um, If you hurt somebody. When you're flying your quad, like Bull Run, I mean, uh, I don't, uh, I'm surprised. I got to be honest with you. I talked to another guy out here in San Francisco that says when he's flying, he actually hires security. Because uh, when he's flying, people are like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm flying this thing here. And people are actually, uh, he's actually had uh, instances where people wanted to fight while he's flying because they thought they were, he was spying on them with the drone. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm surprised at the bull run thing that, you know, like that crashed in the crowd and people didn't freak out and, and either, you know, there was some kind of physical altercation or the guy's not getting sued or, you know, whatever else. And the same thing could have happened in New York. And these people don't have insurance. Uh, people say, well, insurance isn't available, but it is available. But how do you weed out the yahoos? Are people going to pay? I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff. But again, it all goes back to you have nothing on the books except no. And obviously, no's not working because you know thousands of people are doing this, and you don't. You, they have no guidelines to go on. So again, you know, it goes right back to the responsibilities on the FAA. You're going to say no, and you're going to enforce your policy, or what? You're just going to let this go on, and there's nothing you. You're basically showing that there's nothing you can do about this. And I and I had said that well, years ago too. It's going to get away from you. It's going to be shown that you have no enforcement. There's no possible way you could enforce this and uh, no way you can control it. And so as, as the time lingers on, you're going to look uh, ineffectual. As a regular. Well, that's, and that's certainly, that's certainly what has happened. But, you know, I, I know that I don't need to point this out to you, but there, there has been a standard produced. And it's been available since 2008, and it's the one that RCAPA produced, along with a test program and along with uh, uh, some other uh, uh, standard operating procedures that we thought, or that at the time we thought, was at least com- a common sense approach. Well, and you know, and it was a common sense approach. And the funny thing is, is you know, we gave that the RCAPA gave that to CIA. Uh, representatives from around the world, CAA UK. We gave it all, uh, put all that information into the EuroK Working Group 73. We we gave it to anybody who wanted it. And we gave it to the FAA. And the FAA didn't even look at it. They didn't care. You know, probably why? Because we couldn't, we didn't have, um, well, I don't want to get into that speculation. But... <laughs> I will say that I, I'm, I'm almost thinking it's time to get proactive again. Somebody's got to do something, and the government's proven itself to be ineffectual. So, I, you know, it's another one of the things I'm working on. I'm trying to where I, I think it's time for the uh, – the RCAP is known worldwide. It's, you know, it's got a track record. A lot of people didn't agree with what we were trying to do in the early days as it was too limiting. But what we have now is nothing um, except the potential for people to get hurt. And the potential for the industry to get damaged. So keep your eyes peeled. Hopefully we'll we'll pull something out of the hat on that one. But uh, somebody's got to do something, Gene. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think we could go on much longer like this. 
No, we're not. And uh, unfortunately, it, it's going to have to extend even further to the to the casual user. Uh, our cap, of course, you know, those guys are. We throw equipment in the air that we hold very near and dear, and it generally costs a, a lot of money for us to get it up in the air. And we want to do our best to make sure that it comes down as gently as possible. So these are guys with some skin in the game, and they have a vested interest in following some of the guidelines that uh, a whole bunch of people have come up with. It's the guy like that was on that New York Terrace that went down to Sharper Image or wherever they don't mean to give them a plug or wherever, and they bought this little quadcopter. And hey, we're gonna let's see if we can fly right here. We're up high enough. I mean, there's the logic right there. We're up high already, so it ought to fly good, right? And off he goes. You know, if if that copter, of course, you know, nobody reads the instructions when they put it put things together, but if that copter had a booklet in it that said, read before you fly, or, you know, at least gave them some sort of, you know, hey, dummy, don't fly it over people. It's like having four blenders. In the air, why don't you try to catch it first while it's running and see how well that goes? <laughs> well, I think you're hitting on a good point there. there the, ma- the whole manual thing is uh, severely lacking in this, uh, in this industry. And I, I think that constitutes one of the hard things to do. Because um, I keep it, well, you know what? Hey, let's, where are your emergency procedures? Huh? You know, oh, okay. Where's your checklist, huh? You know, I mean, you might want to put in there, you know, item 11. Make sure egg timer is close enough to hear bell ring. Uh, There you go. There you go. Procedural or mechanical. Either way, it needs a checklist. Uh, Yeah. You know, things like that, you know, make sure your batteries are charged. It's, you know, it's, it's little things and people laugh at them. I mean, even on uh big systems, you know, $10 million, you don't checklists are for idiots. You don't need checklists. I'm like, well, you know, I guess you're smarter than me because uh, I like checklists, you know, that the way. The best when, pilots in the world use checklists. All the really yeah. good pilots that I have ever known, they will not even approach an aircraft without reaching in and getting the checklist first. I don't care how many hours they've got. Well, it's because, uh, you know, there are the – there's you just forget stuff. You know, it's just human nature unless you're perfect. Um, but I don't know anybody who's perfect. So anyway, I would encourage people, you know, think about some emergency procedures – Think about making up a checklist. That's another thing is, is, you know, I did want to talk about that, too. I did. I was down in Berkeley the other day. I, it was out Wednesday or Tuesday. Uh, I went down there. I had a meeting with some guys. I went and did a uh, site, another um, site visit for the expo, which we've picked a place for the expo. It's going to be the Herbs Inter- Herbst International um something building in uh, on the Presidio for the next for the 2014 Expo which it's already getting a lot of lot of action. Ah, there we go. Herbst International Exhibit Hall at the Presidio. It's bigger than the last place. Um and uh it's already like I said people are talking about it and I'm I'm all psyched for next year cuz uh, there's a big buzz. 
We are the week before AUVSI, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to make both shows. Well, this one's business, and that one's military. You can decide which show you want to be at. You can be at both. I'll probably make both, <laughs> you know. But we're not we're not doing police or military again at the Expo. It's strictly business, and there'll be some good people out there. We already have uh, some people on the list and slated to speak, and some of the stuff we're going to hear about, we're supposedly Kansas State is going to come out. Kyle Snyder is going to come out. We are going to have Maha talk. She's actually working on another film besides the uh, civilian drone documentary, Search and Rescue. Jeff Bland yes. from NASA said he's coming out. We got some guys from um, Europe that use, um, I think, micro drones, do oil and gas services, uh, inspections on rigs in the North Sea. Going to get some regulatory updates. Uh, USGS says they're coming out. Uh, we're going to hear about insurance. We've got a few other topics we're going to hear about, but I digress there. So I did that. And then I also, while I was down there, stopped off at 3D Robotics to say hi to John and co. And um, John looks a little tired. They're busy down there. There were a bunch of uh, the ISIS copters or um, what is their new? I said Iris. I forget what it's called. Anyway, they got Iris, the new product. Yes. Iris. And they got their new products out there, and he tells me that they are looking to uh, hire a bunch of smart people. So, you know, if you've ever wanted to be in the drone business and, you know, revolutionize some of these other industries, you may want to go to the 3DR website and, uh, you know, look at the, the, the jobs tab there and uh, see what's available. It's not all up there, so um, they're looking for people, I guess, engineers and salespeople and things like that, so you could go over there and maybe there's something for you. They do look pretty busy. So I guess, you know, that was in the news too. They just got another $30 million in funding, which is a little bit of cash, right? Yeah, yeah, pocket change. Exactly. You could do something with that. I think, though, that uh, the important thing with that is you're starting to see a lot of these small companies it's kind of it's kind of funny and i have noticed out there too in the uh on the internet that the larger dod vendors are laying people off the smaller imagine that i know it's hard to believe the smaller companies that are up and comers and more let's say uh, let's say small business or personal uh, drones as some people call them or whatever are hiring Interesting. I think it uh, it kind of shows that the worm may be turning, but you know we all so have to temper that too with who's working the um, standards and who's working the regulatory work. On one hand, it may look like we're getting some traction, but on the other hand, uh, behind the scenes, people are working so we don't. It'll be harder for us to have traction. That's what I'm seeing right now. But I do think it's interesting. What do you say, Gene? Agree. I, I don't think that uh, building to Did we lose you there? Am I Am I here? You're here now, but we lost you for a oh, second. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. You want the uh, joys of cell phone? That's why I'll never use it for a command and control link. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I don't think there's going to be too many commercial entities that are going to want to build to mill spec and try to sell to mill spec because, again, you, you end up with a $100 hammer. Well, yeah, and, I mean, it's it's a whole different market. Um, and, you know, that's even the, the, the difference 
I mean, you just hit the nail on the head for the uh, the small unmanned systems business expo. I mean, I don't really think you can play in both markets. You can you can tell yourself that you want to play in both markets, and I'm going to go sell to the military and all the you know that that's such a that whole FBO deal, man. Unless you have a technology that is totally transformative, it, it, it's going to be extremely hard for you to play in that field unless, A, one, you know someone. B, you're willing to pay somebody to represent your company uh, in those circles. Um, or C, you already have a program going. Besides that, extremely hard to uh, get into play in that field. I mean, I see it every year when I go. You got all these people, they got their products out there. They think, oh, as soon as, you know, as soon as, as General Bag of Donuts sees my product, I'm in. You know, but it doesn't happen. Uh, again, it's very difficult. You you know, and I'm not going to say, like, if you've got a uh, that, that, you know, Klingon cloaking device or whatever, now there's an exception. You could get picked up by the military. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you just got some system you think is great that you came up with, eh, not so much. It's just a different world, you know? And then the same side, on the other side of the the coin, you know, is the agricultural guy going to spend a million dollars on a system to fly around his field, uh, you know, and eyeball his soybeans? No way. The, the number, the the model, just you know, it will never work in a million years, and especially when you look at the flight envelope or the proposed flight envelope, and then heaven forbid that they lock up the beyond visual line of sight market with some expensive piece of machinery. You know, you you'll never be able to play in that. So they really can't play in both fields. <clears throat> they are definitely separate, and uh, you know, so you've got to just decide what business you want to be in. Um, I think, and I, I mean, yeah. that's pretty yeah. fair assessment, right, of the market. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the the danger of cross-pollination between both sides is, is so great, and the government recognizes that, and the DOD is going to say the same thing. That's why you can't have military unmanned aircraft using our engine for civilian stuff because of the the way that regulations are set up. You have to – even the video – we heard it right there from the colonel there at Mather. He said, you know, I've got five predators that uh, I can have at my, my beck and call. If we have a fire and, and we get data from those things, he says, I can't let my civilian counterparts look at it until it goes through B-class. <laughs> that's timely. Come on Most back Most people don't week. recognize that that's what happens. Right, right. Well, you know, there's a lot of nuances I don't think that uh, people understand about this this whole industry. And that's because, uh, you know, you probably noticed uh, people come from all walks of life that are getting into this Indeed. industry. Indeed. And uh, <clears throat> kind of interesting. You see some perspectives on different types of businesses and whatnot. But, um, uh, you know, the clear picture of the industry and the clear picture of where it's going and things like that are, are definitely kind of skewed or, let's say, uh, skewed by these other industries. Right. And one of them, I think a lot of them would be the software industry. A lot of people, you know, you keep hearing, well, you know, it's it's just like some piece of software. And if it doesn't work the first time out, it'll work next iteration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
aviation people wince when they hear stuff like that, yada, yada, and the different business models and whatever. But anyway, I do think one of the other the takeaway from today's show is I think we're we're at one of those points where things are ready to change. Agree or disagree with that, Gene? I think we need to start working in that direction, to be honest with you. I would concur. I think that we there are a few things afoot right now that are – this is a very fluid technology and industry, and there are definitely a few things afoot right now that could really change the landscape. <clears throat> so, you know, I would say open your eyes and ears and uh, look around, see what's happening, and, uh, you know, keep reading the SUAS News, of course, and listening to the podcast if you want to get your news first. But, um, you know, keep your eyes open. Gene, what, you know, what? any advice – you'd like to impart you know and there's a lot of folks out there that have some good ideas and they need to keep putting those good ideas forth uh there are a lot of guys in garage shops and you know mom and pops that have got really good ideas like you said you know that they're waiting for general back donuts but you know what that those same ideas can be applied to the industry today and if if we can get that forum or we can get that, that uh, the SUS news uh, to act as the, the central gathering point for that information, then or, or even our capital for that matter, if, if that organization comes back and we can use that as a gathering point, we need to focus on that because there's a lot of smart people out there that have solutions. They just need to be able to tell somebody about them. I would concur with that, and I hope, you know, I, I hope the other thing, too, is, you know, we did get a lot of pushback in the early days when people, well, you know, that's too limiting, and it's not what I want to do, and I've got to do this. Well, you know, I just say, look at where we are today. Do we want to yes. be here five years from now? Do we want to be here 10 years from now? Do you want to be here 15 years from now? I don't. So, you know, we got to got to crack the door open somewhere. I, I do think that, you know, if we can pivot and leverage correctly the, um, you know, the giant leap, the FAA's giant leap that fell short, I I think that people can realize, look, if we're not, if we're more objective and we do things and we come up with a process that we can apply evenly across the board, when something like that happens, you don't look as foolish because you've laid down a criteria that everyone can follow. It was open, it was honest, it was level, and you know what? It didn't work. Okay, well, let's tweak it a little. What are they going to tweak in that case? You know, special dispensation for a company that's spent millions of dollars on the forefront or upfront on the on the regulatory side of this? You know, I mean, that's not fair. It's not fair, it's not open, and it's and it's it's definitely not what I would call the American way. Well, maybe it is, but it's not what we learned about in the books sitting there in school. I don't know. But uh I'm kinda you know, I've always been pushing for this leveler playing field. If we have that, I think that there's less chances for embarrassment. Agree or disagree, Gene? Well, transparency is always a good thing. There's no doubt about it, I, and and it, if it's done by consensus, then it has significantly more chance of success. Well, I do think that this is a harbinger of more things that will blow up in their face, you know, and it might be the catalyst for change because you know it's like, do you want more of this, or do we do we want to actually have something that's workable 
transparent, and involves the public in a public rulemaking process. I know I beat that tired old drum. I know it's crazy talk, but in my mind, you know, you got to have the public and the public rulemaking process. I'm wacky that way. I don't know what to say. But anyway, all right, well, we're out of time for today. Uh, thanks again for uh, tuning in and listening to the uh, SUS News Podcast. Gene, anything in closing? I think we've covered it all for the for this week, but uh, stay tuned because there is going to be a lot happening. I would concur with that. All right, everyone, have a good week. Adios. <laughs>